Well, good morning, City Gates. Uh, my name is Toby, and it's great to be with you uh, this morning. A special greeting to you if you are at a watch party, uh, at a backyard, or at the waypoint. Um, if you are at home uh, and you have had the discipline of, you know, logging in and turning on and, uh, you know, inserting a comment here and there, man, we encourage you, uh, as the weather allows, as, you know, restrictions allow, uh, for you to sign up to a watch party last week. Uh, I was at the Adrian household uh, and it was fantastic to sing out loud uh, with other Seagators, with other be uh, believers, just to be together. So that is my encouragement to you. Uh, we have been in the book of 1 Peter. Uh, Vic talk, uh, taught from uh, chapter 4, verse 1 uh, to 11 last week and uh, today, or sorry, not not those verses exactly, but we've, we've been through Peter. And today we are in verses 12 to 19. So uh, let me read that for you. If you have your Bibles, please do take them out. Uh, and the uh, words will be on the screen as well. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, and let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Uh, let me pray for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we need your presence here. I need your presence here. Uh, there are some notes on a page, but only you can speak to hearts. You can uh, penetrate minds and you can move us forward. Uh, in knowing you, in loving you, and following you, Jesus. So would you do that through uh, this text uh, and the words I'm about to speak. So uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, Vic, amongst the uh, many things he taught us uh, from First Peter, uh, was this idea of, uh, of gifts, of different kinds of gifts. And Peter doesn't give us an exhaustive uh, list, list of gifts, I have a list of a, a list of gifts. Uh, you know, there's 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 public kinds of gifts, speaking gifts. There's but there's also service kinds of gifts. And um, Vic mentioned the gift gauge. You know, if you haven't uh, been there, just to get an idea of perhaps how God has gifted you, how the Holy Spirit has gifted you, so that when we get together as a church, you are uh, contributing with your gifts. That together we are His body, and so uh, those gifts are given to us, the church, uh, for the benefit and building up of one and other. And while uh, those those are there are gifts uh, that the Spirit gives, um, I would say today 
we are talking about uh, the gift that nobody wants. The gift that nobody wants, but actually that everyone gets. And that's because uh, the topic of today is suffering. It's suffering and trial and uh, tribulation, uh, all the challenges of life. But here's the challenging thing, the, the difficult thing. Peter here is reminding us, he's teaching us, he's moving us, he's commanding us that we are to suffer with joy. We are to suffer with joy. How could he say this? Not like just grind through it, uh, not just learn your lesson and move on, uh, not rise above it, no, not mind over matter over it, not just accept it as random and pointless, but rejoice and be glad. How do we suffer with joy? Well, I want to uh, highlight six things that uh, I think Peter is pointing out to us that he is teaching us in this text. Number one, he wants us to know that we are loved. How do we suffer with joy? It's knowing that we are loved. He starts this section off with beloved. Did you see that? Beloved. Now, it's uh, in many ways a, 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 a greeting. It could be translated perhaps in um, the version of the Bible you're reading as dear friends. You know, dear one, dear. And uh, certainly Peter had love for these churches. We know that. But of course, the love the sense that this these churches then and we as the church now today should understand this term beloved is not the love of Peter but the love of God himself and interestingly Peter would have heard this word beloved at least a few times as he spent time with Jesus as Jesus was baptized and he rose out of the water a voice from heaven said this is my son whom I love my beloved and then there was the moment of uh, the transfiguration where Peter would have been present, just Peter, James, and John, where God's glory came down and shone upon Jesus. And again, said, this is my beloved servant, my beloved son. Listen to him, my beloved. And now we as God's people, as God's chosen people, the people who uh, we have, uh, we've been born again into this new hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are now the beloved of God. Are you? Do you know this as we consider what it means to suffer and, and, and really walk through life with so, men, so much grief uh, still, uh, so many problems, uh, so many things that it seems like everyone faces as Christ follows, we still face, perhaps even more so. Are you armed with the knowledge of his love? Number one, we are loved. Number two, we are warned. And uh, this is really the first instruction that Peter gives us. He says, Beloved, do not be surprised. And, and underneath that word surprise is actually the word strange. Don't, don't find it strange. And he says it later again. Don't, don't think of it as something strange. And actually, you know, we've, we've encountered this word strange. And uh, last week we talked about hospitality, of love of, uh, of strangers and uh, of, um, as xenophobia, as, as fear of strangers. And here Peter says, hey, don't find it strange. A few weeks ago, I watched a movie called uh, 1917. Uh, I think it was made in 2019. So I watched it in 2021, made in 2019. 
the, the movie's called 1917. Interesting for uh, many different reasons. World War One movie. It's uh, taken shot as as if it was one single take. Now, of course, it isn't exactly one single take. They do some, you know, cinematography and, and trickery. But essentially, it's it's one camera angle, and it it follows uh, the uh, two two uh, what are they called? Uh, Lance Corporals and it starts with this scene as it pulls back it shows Lance Corporal Blake and uh, somebody wakes him up he's just taking a nap he's uh, a British soldier and he's told hey pick a man get your kit and come the general is here and uh, he turns around and and uh, we as the camera pulls back we see uh, Lance Corporal Schofield and he kind of wakes up Schofield and he says hey Come on, let's let's go, uh, and uh, off they are onto this adventure where they are tasked with crossing enemy lines to tell uh, a battalion ahead that the uh, the attack that this other British battalion is planning is actually a trap, and if they don't deliver this message, uh, they will fall. Uh, up to sixteen hundred people might die, including uh, Blake's brother, who is in that battalion. And uh, the movie, of course, progresses from there, and uh, it's it's not fun and games. Uh, it's it's a war movie, and at one point, Schofield, who was you know in, in some ways picked by Blake for this adventure, he just turns to him and says, "Why, why did you pick me? Why did you pick me of all people?" And uh, we can sometimes. Uh, you know, understand that cry. Maybe there's been points in your life where you have asked, why? God, why? God, why have you put me in this situation? Why did you, uh, why was I born into this family? Why do I find myself again in this scenario? Why did I receive this diagnosis? And Peter is keen to remind us, to tell us that we shouldn't find it strange. Peter is saying that we should expect trials and suffering like a soldier should expect enemy fire. That is what we've been called to, in a sense. Uh, and he's giving us warning. There is, there is warning. Don't be surprised. Uh, in our house, we've uh, started to listen to the audiobooks of um, the Lord of the Rings. You know, I I watched the movie years ago. Uh, I never read the books. Don't judge. And uh, now, uh, you know, at least Judah and I were 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 listening to the audiobooks, and it's and it's interesting how we now approach them because I am armed with the knowledge of what's going to happen. Now I don't know every single detail. The books obviously has a lot more detail, but he he doesn't know what's going to happen. He doesn't know what to expect. But I, I have fair warning. I've, I've seen the end. And Peter here is warning us. He says, uh, the, he's seeing the end and he's telling us this is something to be expected. Number three, how do we suffer with joy? Number three, we understand that we suffer according to God's will. We suffer according to God's will. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will, verse 19 says, uh, entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good, uh, according to God's will. Now, Peter 
makes it clear. He makes it made it clear in verse uh, 15, and even in this verse when he talks about while doing good, we're not talking about uh, the suffering that you would do for 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 you know breaking God's law. He talks about uh, don't 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 suffer for being a murderer or a thief or an evil or evil doer or even a meddler, which is the sense of like has this carries a sense of just getting into people's affairs. Like don't don't just find and put yourself in trouble and say, oh, I am suffering for God. But he does say, you know what, this, everything that we encounter, he puts under the will of God. Even our suffering, even uh, perhaps the, the suffering we find ourselves that is due to other people's action, uh, to, to acts of uh, uh, what we might call acts of God in nature. This is all under God's will. Does your theology account for this? Does your understanding of God account for this? When your prayers are not answered, when uh, that diagnosis is given, uh, when it, everything is gray and you can't pick yourself up, and, and, and get over the hump. Does your theology include the fact that God says, those, uh, let those who suffer according to God's will. This is, this is tough. How, how do we make sense of this? You know, part of uh, my preparation for this week was, was just reading uh, different um, accounts of suffering uh, and, and, you know, I just, just, just to think of sitting where you are, and especially if you're at a watch party or you think of your community group, uh, this, the suffering represented just amongst, let's say, 10 to 15 people is great. It's, it's really great. I mean, we, we could fill books uh, with the types of suffering uh, that perhaps we have experienced. And then there's like, there's just the numbers. Like, you know, we've all seen these numbers with COVID and uh, the millions of people who've died. And there's just even something numbing about the fact that it's a number when we cannot fathom how to account for an individual life suffering, whether that was on a ventilator, breathing their last breath, or at home in their sleep and all the repercussions of that. I mean, there's so much suffering. Then there's this to consider uh, the 20th century and the world wars that were fought and the, and the prisoners and, and, and the bombs and, and, and all the things and the torture. Like, there's so much suffering. Of course, of course there were Christians amongst those numbers. And so how do we account for the fact that this was according to God's will? How do we finite creatures make sense of this? Um, it's, it's not easy. But the Bible does make it clear. God wills it for good. Romans 8.28, verse you might know, says this, And we know that those who love God, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. At every trial, at every um, difficulty, we have a choice. And uh, I, we've had some friends 
who have faced great trial and great difficulty. And some sadly have, have concluded there must not be a God and they've, they've actually turned away from their faith because of uh, difficulty. But uh, what uh, Peter instructs us in this verse, uh, that we should entrust, we should entrust our souls to a faithful creator while doing good. We should entrust, we should actually commit, we should, we should not run from, but run towards God in the midst of this. And that word commit is precisely the, some of the last words that we have recorded of, of Jesus on the cross when he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And, and that, is, that is the challenge as we trust in God's will that is great and grand, that is beyond our comprehension, but that is for our good. And uh, that moves us to number four. How do we suffer with joy? It is to arm ourselves with the knowledge that we, we are being refined. We, we are being discipled. We are being loved. Uh, verse 12 speaks of a fiery trial and actually all the way back in chapter 1 of 1 Peter uh, there's already mention of fiery trials and uh, it's possible that this could have been literal. Um, certainly many Christians over the first and second centuries uh, died by burning at the stake um, at the hands of uh, the Roman uh, powers. But the example, the specific example here is actually in verse 14 is, is about being uh, insulted, actually. It's about being uh, insulted uh, for the name of Christ, being ashamed uh, because uh, we are a Christian. And what what this points is that when we face trials of various kinds, and, and James agrees with us here, he, James talks about, he says, count it all joy uh, when you face trials of many kinds. And, and likewise, Paul, he says in Romans chapter 5, he says, not only that, we rejoice in our sufferings. There it is again, rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans chapter 5, 3 to 5. One commentator put it this way, suffering is not a sign of God's absence, but his purifying presence. Uh, because we are chosen by him, called by him, we are his children. He loves us. He disciplines us. Are you lacking in endurance, in character? Are you lacking in hope? Suffering actually will produce in us those things and it is uh, it is hard it is not what any of us would want and yet because god loves us he doesn't leave us we are being refined number five we and the world will be judged in in many ways this refinement is judgment this is what verse 17 and 18 point to it says this for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of god this is the judgment that we are experiencing. It's, it's a kind of refining judgment. But then it says this, And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And he, 
He quotes then from Proverbs saying the same thing. The judgment on us is refining. Uh, but what will it be? What will the judgment be for those who are not obeying the gospel? It is, it it is far far worse. Uh, throughout the Bible, we are called to seek justice, to do good, to love our neighbor, to tell the truth, right wrongs, in so far as we are able. But then God, the Judge, will 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 handle it. God, the final Judge, will take care of it. Uh, one of the uh, more uh, chilling quotes on suffering I found this week uh, was from Richard Dawkins. This is what he writes uh, in a book called River Out of Eden, A Darwinian, Darwinian View of Life. He says this, The total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute minute that it takes me to compose the sentence, Thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kinds are dying of starvation, thirst, and disease. It must be so, he says. He says, in a universe of electrons and selfish genes, blind forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. That statement is uh, is so cold. I'm, I'm not even sure, to be honest, if Richard Dawkins even believes this. Certainly when we look out at the world, that is, that is, that is not how we seem to be operating. You know, you've noticed probably still many uh, flags, Canadian flags, flying at half-mast. Uh, we are still remembering uh, the, the many children who are being discovered in unmarked graves, um, a, a great uh, pain in our history, a great pain for uh, survivors of residential schools, and there is not a single bone in our body that says, well, that's just the way the world works. And, and that is, and, and perhaps, perhaps we won't get down to it. You know, there are so many moments in our lives where, where we will not be vindicated in the moment. But part of our understanding of our God is that he will be, this is what he says. I'm coming. I'm going to judge. And for those of you who are called, who are chosen, who are called by me, I'm going to refine you to be who you are. Uh, but for others, this judgment that's coming will not go well. It is not going to be left. God is going to take care of it. And we need to know that. Number six, we rejoice now only to rejoice more later. See, this is really the heart of 
of Peter's teaching to us in verse 13. He says, But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering. Christ suffered. Are you suffering uh, from rejection? Christ suffered rejection. Are you suffering from physical pains? Christ suffered physical pain. When we as believers suffer in these ways, we share, we take part in the way Christ himself suffered. But then Peter says, ah, but then you may be also rejoice and be glad. Not just rejoice. Rejoice and be glad. It's amplified when his uh, when his glory is revealed. Uh, you know, uh, I've been trying to keep up with uh, you know some Olympic highlights um, and finding myself explaining sports to my kids that I don't fully understand, but I'm doing my best. Uh, but you know, besides all the sports that you probably never otherwise watch, part of maybe the, the drama. And, and what draws us into these Olympic Games uh, is, is the glory, right? The glory of the gold. And so often, uh, whether it's that final weight that was lifted or the victory uh, that was won immediately, or the race, you know, that is won, there are, there's, there's like tears of joy. There's just an outpouring of emotion and I think that is in part because there is this acknowledgement that there was so much suffering before. There was so much committed before. There was so much sacrifice before. Uh, you know, all, all that was put to get this athlete to this place where they would perform and win. The glory is, is really the, the, the it, it captures everything that was put into it. And, and, and in that sense, I think this is what Peter is pointing at. There, there is suffering now, but there's actually joy to come. And unlike an Olympian, it's guaranteed. Because really, you know, in, in whatever sport, there's, there's like one goal. There's across the world, however many athletes are participating uh, in that particular sport, there's just one goal. For many others, it's the dissatisfaction of, you know, getting knocked out the first round or coming in second or not meeting expectations. And and the, their suffering, their sacrifice is, is actually not fulfilled in a victory. But Peter says, no, 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 we can rejoice in sharing Christ's suffering now because we can rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It's coming jesus his presence his resurrected body um, that came out of the grave that is now sitting at the right hand of the father he is coming back and it will be revealed you know um i think covid has uh, obviously been difficult uh, it's taught us many many things uh, and I wonder now, as we, uh, at least in Ontario, move, seem to be moving forward a little bit, you know, we, we, we get around and we talk about, you know, what are we looking forward to? And uh, maybe it's um, traveling. Uh, I mean, there's some, it's, it's great that we can actually be together. And there is absolutely joy in sharing a meal together and getting together at these watch parties um, as a church. But I wonder if that is setting us up having our expectations too low. You know, so often when I think of the future, 
the things that bring me joy uh, are, are rather um, are rather minor and pale actually in comparison to future glory with Jesus like paying off my mortgage or maybe it's just like I just want to graduate or I have my set my sights on my five-year plan and my ten-year plan and those are great keep your five-year plan keep your ten-year plan but Peter has something so much greater so much grander for us to consider as we uh, go through the trials of life it's not just okay you're just gonna you're gonna make it to retirement and that's when life uh, it will be good or or will be easy no he's saying there is a future glory it's gonna be so so glorious and it's coming and and with that in mind with that in view we can now rejoice in the sufferings even as as difficult as it may be even as hard as it may be to see the purpose of it uh, a few weeks ago mike um, mentioned cory ten boom uh, cory ten boom um, was a survivor of uh, nazi concentration camps uh, her and her family uh, are Dutch, but they hid uh, Jewish uh, children, Jewish people in their homes, and eventually themselves were brought to uh, these these concentration camps. She lost her sister, um, had lost her father, uh, and then really r- being rescued and redeemed by God, uh, wrote a book called The Hiding Place and began to minister. And uh, this is what she says. This is what the past is for. Every experience God gives us, every person he puts in our lives, is the perfect preparation for the future that only he can see. With that in mind, let's um, finish our time here uh, and move into a time of communion. As we consider what it means to suffer with joy, we must look to Jesus. We must look to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 1 to 3, he says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And this race, we know, is going to be full of challenges. He says, Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, then he says this, who for the joy that was set before him, for the joy, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Uh, Jesus, our Savior, our leader, our Messiah, uh, he is great, and he has not left us with a simple uh, instruction or teaching. Joy and suffering are in Jesus. This is what he himself experienced as he, as he considered the joy that was before him, the, the glory that was going to be his when he uh, resurrected from the dead, when he uh, returned to the right hand of the Father, when he saw that uh, the company of children, of fellow brothers and sisters that would now come into God's presence. That joy he held as he uh, endured the cross 
and scorned its shame. As we, uh, as you uh, take bread uh, that represents his body, you take uh, juice that represents his blood, as he taught us, you know, that last meal, that last meal he shared uh, with his disciples in the upper room, he was looking at the cross. He knew what was ahead. And he said, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him who suffered, but as uh, Hebrew teaches us, did so with a sense of joy that was set before him. Uh, you know, I was, I've been thinking about how the seemingly the apex of our experience of emotions is a mixture of, of laughter and tears. Like laughter and humor being this one end uh, of, of a, a certain type of joy and happiness. And of course, tears being this other end of, of pain and sorrow. And yet, uh, I think by God's mystery, some of the highest moments in our lives is a mixture of both joy and tears, tearful, uh, joyful tears. Uh, they're cried when, you know, those Olympians uh, win their gold um, at uh, the birth of children. And you think of weddings, um, perhaps at the apex of your personal achievements, you cried those joyful tears. And they are really ultimately found in Jesus himself. He had joy. He had a view of joy. And yet he endured uh, the cross. He endured physical suffering and the shame and the insult hurled upon him. And we look to him. We look to him as we move forward. Uh, we have COVID kind of still here. Uh, but whether COVID or not, there is suffering ahead. Suffering that will refine us. Suffering that will challenge us. Suffering that will, will make us think, do we, do we turn away or do we turn towards? Uh, but this is his, uh, our encouragement today as we celebrate uh, and remember this, the Lord's Supper and communion. Be blessed.